0: George Washington, the first general and first president of the United States. History Stories Collection George Washington as a Boy When Washington was born, February 22, 1732, in the old colony of Virginia, the early settlements had grown into towns and planters had prospered. His father's house stood upon a gentle hill slope, which ran down to the lazily flowing Potomac. Across the river, one could see the wooded Maryland shore, broken with a few great farms and plantations. Washington's father owned more than one plantation and had many slaves. He was also a partner in some iron mines, and once had been captain of a ship carrying iron ore to London. It was in London that he had fallen in love with Mary Ball, called on account of her beauty the Rose of Epping Forest. She too was a Virginian, and she married Augustine Washington and became the greatly revered mother of George. When George was but three years old, his parents moved to the plantation on Rappahannock across the river in the old town of Fredericksburg. George went to a school taught by the church sexton. Both teachers and schools were scarce in Virginia, then, because the people lived miles apart on their great plantations. In Washington's day, the plantations were usually located on the rivers or bays. The rivers were the best roadways in those old times. Besides, the planter was glad to have the yearly ship from London to stop at his door. The coming of the ship brought happy days to the young people, for it often brought furniture for the house and fine clothes for the family. Sometimes too it brought back some long absent son or daughter or letters from relatives in the old English home. Then there were the stories such as only sellers can can tell. When all the stores of tobacco and grain had been loaded once more, the great ship spread her wings and sailed away. Then many a Virginia boy longed to go on board and sail away too. George's father died and left him at the age of 11 to the care of his mother. Mary Washington was a wise, firm mother and always held the love and admiration of her children. According to the custom of those old Virginia days, the eldest son, Lawrence Washington, received the beautiful plantation on the Potomac, which he named Mount Vernon in honor of Admiral Vernon, an English naval officer under whom he had fought in the West Indies. To George fell a smaller plantation on the Rappahannock. He, called har- he could hardly hope to go to England to study, but went to a school near his birthplace. Here he studied hard, mastering mathematics and business papers of all sorts. The book into which he copied business letters, deeds, wills, and bills of sale and exchange shows how careful he was and how he mastered everything he undertook. At school, George was a leader in all outdoor sports. He outran, outjumped, as well as out wrestled all his comrades. He could throw farther than any of them. The story is told that he once threw a stone across the Rappahannock and that at another time he threw a stone from the valley below to the top of the natural bridge, a distance of more than 200 feet. Washington was captain when the boys played at war. Every boy among them expected to be a soldier some day. George listened to the stories told by his brother Lawrence, who had been a captain in the West Indies. As a boy, George Washington also learned many useful things outside of school. He became a skilled horseback rider, for every Virginia Rider plantation had fine riding horses. People lived so far apart that they had to ride horseback when they visited each other and when they went to church or to town. Whether George rode a wild colt to break it, or whether he rode with his neighbors through woods and fields, jumping fences or swimming streams, for in a wild chase after the fox he always kept his seat. Even while a boy Washington was learning the ways of a woodsman, with only a gun and a dog for companions, he made long trips into the deep, dark Virginia forests where no road or path showed the way. He could cross rivers without bridge or boat, could build a shelter at night, could trap and shoot and cook over the fire by the side of which he slept. All this knowledge was soon put to use by Washington. When George was fourteen, it was decided that he might go to sea. No doubt he dreamed of the time when he should be a seaman or perhaps an officer on one of the king's great warships. But when all was ready, he gave up his plans to please his mother and went back to school. He now studied surveying and was soon able to mark off the boundaries of farms and lay out roads. George was now more and more at Mount Vernon, where he met many fine people. Among these visitors he had married most an old English nobleman, Lord Fairfax, who had come to spend the rest of his days beyond the Blue Ridge in the beautiful valley of the Shenandoah. Washington as Surveyor Lord Fairfax was pleased with Washington, who was then tall, strong, active, and manly-looking, although but sixteen years old. Accordingly, one spring, Washington, with a number of companions, started out over the mountains to to survey the wild lands of Lord Fairfax. The trip was full of danger. There were no roads, bridges, or houses after the party reached the mountains, but deep rivers, wild animals, and and savage Indians were plentiful. Some nights they slept in rude huts, other nights in tents, but more often under the stars and around the campfire. One night they saw a party of Indians dance their wild war dance to the music of a rude drum, made by stretching a hide over a pot, and to the noise of a rattle, made by putting shot in a gourd. Then a month Washington was back with maps and figures showing what lands belonged to Lord Fairfax. Few men could have done better, and a warm friendship grew up between this white-haired English nobleman and the young Virginian. Lord Fairfax immediately built a great hunting lodge in the Shenandoah, near where Winchester is, and named it Greenway Court. It became a favorite visiting place of many Virginians. Washington had done his work so well that Lord Fairfax had him made a public surveyor and invited him to make Greenway Court his headquarters. For three years, Washington was hard at work in that western wilderness marking out the lands of settlers. It was a rough but health-giving life and made his bones and muscles strong. He had to take many risks and face many dangers. Once he wrote to a friend, Since you received my letter in October, I have not slept above three or four nights in a bed, but after walking a great deal all the day, I have lain down upon a little hay, straw, fodder, or a bearskin, whichever was to be had, with man, wife, and children, like dogs and cats, and happy is he who gets the berth nearest the fair. But the young surveyor was often at Greenway Court, taking part in its pastimes, or spending his time in sober conversation with Lord Fairfax, or in reading the books on history, which were found in his friend's library. Washington as a soldier against the French. Suddenly Washington's whole life was changed. His brother Lawrence died, and left to George the beautiful Mount Vernon home, and he care- and the care of his only daughter. At the age of twenty, Washington found himself at the head of the two plant large plantations, but he had hardly begun his new duties before he was called to serve his governor and the king. The French in Canada were building a chain of outposts from Lake Erie into Pennsylvania to the headwaters of the Ohio River, so that they might have a shorter route to their trading posts on the Mississippi. Governor Dinwiddie of Virginia had sent orders for them to get out of the country, but his messenger did not get within a hundred miles of the French soldiers. It was probably Lord Fairfax who said to the governor, Here is the very man for you, young and daring, but sober-minded and responsible, who only lacks opportunity to show the stuff that is in him. In October 1753, Washington, not then 22, set out with servants, horses, and two companions for the French posts. One companion was the old Dutch soldier who had taught Washington to use the sword, and the other was the famous backwoodsman, Christopher Gist. They pushed on through deep forests, over the mountains, across swift rivers, to the Indian village, near where Pittsburgh now stands. From there, Washington hurried on to the fort on French Creek. The French commander received him with great politeness and tried to keep him many days. But Washington saw that the French were really preparing to fight to hold this gateway to the west. The Frenchman very politely said that they tended to hold that region at all hazard. Washington and his party at once started back with the answer. Washington's party traveled through rain and snow, hurrying through dense forests where savages lurked, ready to scalp them. An Indian shot at Washington but missed him. Their horses gave out, and Washington and Gis plunged into the forest alone on foot, anxious to lose no time. At last they reached Williamsburg. War now seemed certain, and the governor hurried Washington forward with about 150 men to cut a road through the forests and over the mountains. But the French had already reached and built Fort Duquesne, where the Ohio is formed, and where then, hurrying forward, a party to look for the English. Just after Washington's men crossed the mountains, they surprised the French scouts, killed their commander, and took the rest prisoners. Young Washington wrote home that he had heard the whistle of bullets and liked the music. Although Washington's company soon grew to three hundred fifty men, he built Fort Necessity, for a French force numbering four times his own was now close upon him. A battle followed. Standing knee deep in mud and water, the English fared all day at the hidden fo- foe. Their ammunition was almost gone, and the men were f- falling. Washington surrendered the fort, and the little army with sad hearts started home along their newly made road.